The following audio is from Park Church in Denver, Colorado. More information about Park Church is available online at parkchurchdenver.org. Good morning, Park Church. Today's scripture is from Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 1 through 8. Jeremiah 23, verse 1. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people, you have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. Then I will gather the remnant of my flock out from all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will set shepherds over them who will care for them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed. Neither shall any be missing, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall, ex- he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when they shall no longer say, as the Lord lives who brought up the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives who brought up and led the offspring of the house of Israel out of the north country and out of all the countries where he had driven them, then they shall dwell in their own land. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning to you all. Oh, come on, come on. Y'all know we ain't new to this. Come on. Welcome to you online. Welcome to those who are here in person. Hey, my name is Miguel Warren, and um, I'm going to try this again because I need your help to preach this word today, okay? Good morning. How y'all doing? Yeah, there we go. There we go. I hear y'all on, online as well. Hey, seriously, though, uh, name's Miguel. I have the privilege and honor to serve here on staff um, as the director of community. And so uh, welcome to um, the kickoff of Advent. Every year we spend the first four weeks um, remembering and reflecting um, about our King Jesus that came as a baby and we eagerly wait and long for his return again, for him to come back. And so for the next several weeks, we will um, be in uh, the, the series of Advent and particularly speaking with the, talking, the theme of the echoing voices, um, and particularly to God. So here's what I love to do. Pray for me, and I will pray for you, and we will sit at Jesus' feet, and we will hear what he has to say to us through his word today. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. Father God, we thank you for all that you do. Thank you that you uh, came in the flesh, that a baby was in a manger, um, but that, you did, that Jesus didn't just stay there, but yet went to the cross and died unjustly for a wretch like myself. So, Father, as we gather around your word, speak clear to us, open our hearts, convict our, mind, convict our hearts, encourage us, ignite in us um, what needs to be ignited from you, Lord. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Man, echoing voices. We all experience or whether seen an echo before where we hear it, 
We hear the sound, but we may not see where the sound came from. And the same is true for us here on earth. We may experience and see the echo of God's voices in nature, in life, in family, in joys of what come about, right? But in particular, when it comes to brokenness and sin, we feel the echo of injustice take place. So the reason why we feel that as people is because we are image bearers. We were created in God's image, and God is a just God, and so we feel that injustice. And hear me now, get this, you feel that whether believer or non-believer, people can see and experience an injustice and know that something's not right. The system is broken. The relationship is messed up. My experience is not what it is. But regardless if you're a believer or not, you know that whatever I'm seeing is not right. And it is because God has put longing of justice in us. We're his image bearers. So we're going to see here in today's text that speaks to the longing when it comes to injustice here. Now, let's make something clear here. Whether you've experienced injustice, whether you've seen it um, uh, happen to someone, or maybe you say, hey, man, I've never seen it or experienced the injustice. The truth is we engage in injustice often. If it's not personally, it is spiritually. See, when we give ourselves to idols, they are the unjust God that rules over us, that keeps us in bondage and keeps us from experiencing the true justice that we can get from our King, Jesus. And we'll see here in the text that behind the injustice, really there is the shadow of Satan that is moving about, that's pushing the injustices about because it brings about evil and wickedness. And God is going to address that here in this passage today. And our prophet, Jeremiah, he's going to speak to the judgment. He's going to speak about the judgment of this injustice, but also the hope for justice. So the question I want to ask you today is, when you encounter justice, how do you respond? Or what God has given you, do you care for it in a just manner? We're going to see two movements in this text, one that speaks to uh, justice that is neglected, and then justice is assured by God. Justice is neglected, and justice is assured by God. Let's look at our text here, and particularly verses 1 and 2, and see how justice is neglected. He says, woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the ship shepherds who care for my people, you have scattered my flock, you have driven them away, and you have not tended to them. Give you a little background here with this going on in the middle of this, this text here. Jeremiah is speaking a judgment against the leaders of that time. You see, the people of God are on their way to exile. They're on their way to Babylon because they disobey God and they choose to follow false gods. So God is handling them, but to help restore them and bring them back to what God wants them to be, he set in place rulers to tend to them. But yet the rulers have failed to neglect to do what God has commissioned them to do. They have neglected justice here. 
And so there's several kings that lead up to this point where they're pronouncing judgments on them. But I think when we look into this text, we got to ask the question, who are the shepherds, right? And the shepherds are the civil and religious leaders. It is the pastors, the ministers, but also the government leaders. All buckle up, we in for today. Yes, the government leaders. God has placed people in local government and ministers and pastors to tend to his sheep, to tend to his pastors, to do justice, not just legal justice, but justice in everyday life. We say, well, what were the leaders called to do? Well, the leaders were called to do, they were called to give, uh, to feed the people knowledge and understanding. Jeremiah chapter 3 speaks to that in verse 15. It gives them, a, that, that was the, they were commissioned to do that. They were commissioned in, in the chapter before, in Jeremiah 22, they were to do justice. They were to do righteousness. They were to um, not, um, they were to care for the aliens, the foreigners, you know, the immigrants. That's what they were supposed to do. The f- care for the fatherless, the widows. They were to bind up wounds, help the injured, feed them, take them, protect them. That's what they were called to do here. And here's the thing we see in this text, God cares about his vulnerable people. God cares about his vulnerable people. And because he cares, we should care too. As the people of God, we are his representation to do justice here on earth until our King Jesus comes back again. Now understand this here, bear with me, because we got to make this point very clear and drive this home. To do justice is, uh, doing justice means, get this, coming to the defense of those who are helpless, the marginalized, the weak, the disenfranchised, the ones who have less power here. And I want to read this here because I think this is very clear. Here's what we mean by justice and righteousness. Here's what this is. Justice is much more from a biblical perspective. We like the Bible here at this church, so we're going to talk about what justice means biblically here. Justice is much more than legal equity. It refers to the entire scope of God's government of his world. To do justice involves on the part of the government a fair and just use of power and proper function of a fair judicial system, especially, get this, to protect the weak from the strong. On the part of the individual, justice involves honest and fair play in everyday life, fair dealings in everyday life, and fairness to keep one's word, as well as not taking advantage of of the poor or those in less power or with less protection. That is justice. When it comes to righteousness, it involves doing what is right in the sight of God's eye according to his standards to others. That's what the shepherds have neglected to do. The leaders, the government leaders that in that time, the kings that were in place and even neglected to do here. Understand in the Old Testament time, here's the the contrast between justice and biblical, according to God's word, and how we in the modern time do it. See, justice talks about it's practicing, it is to do. Here we think it is to get justice, modern times. You see, according to God's word, justice is used in the legal, here it is, the social and religious realm, where in our modern time, we just only limit it to the legal system. Justice, according to God's word, concerns about everyone. Here in modern times, we only, we make it concerned about select people. 
Understand here, Jesus, just to help us, you say, oh, I know we love New Testament. We're like, that's the Old Testament. In the New Testament, Jesus in Matthew chapter 25 speaks to the judgment. And when the final judgment happens, he addresses these issues. He says, what you have done to the least of these, you have done to me. He says, when you fed me, when you clothed me, when, you, when I was sick, you visited me, when I was in prison, you came and visited. What you've done to them, you've done to me. So that lets us know that Jesus is going to judge us and make sure that we are doing justice in everyday life, not just in the courtroom. But understand here, I love this because here's why this matters to God. See, this matters to God because this is God's people and God, this is God's world here. You see, the language when you see, if you look in the text, it uses the language, my pastors, my sheep, my people. What that lets us know is that that is a possessor's language. This is his. And Psalms 24.1 reminds us that the earth is the Lord and all thereof and all that dwells in it here. So we know that God cares about this because he cares about how we steward the things that we have, which means we, ain't, we don't own anything. We're just stewards of what God has given us until Jesus come back, until we go home, whichever one happened first. Because last time I checked, ain't no her, a, a, a hearse ain't following nobody to heaven. So we see here, you got, I hear you now. This all is God's. I understand that. What did they neglect it to do? They neglected in Jeremiah chapter 22, the chapter before, they, they neglected uh, to care for them. They were doing unrighteousness. They were doing injustice. They were practicing oppression with violence here. Ezekiel chapter 34 speaks to a more detailed about, uh, about what happened with the shepherds of that time. They were, they were just, they were not binding up the injured people. They were not strengthening those who were weak. They weren't going after the lost. But get this here, it wasn't just what they neglected to do. It wasn't what they just neglected to do, but what they were doing was that as Ezekiel chapter 34 and verse 2, they were feeding themselves off the flock. They were benefiting from those who they were oppressing. Does that sound familiar here? We have people in the realm that God has put in place, not religious leaders and government powers and pastors who are supposed to tend to the flock, not to take advantage of, but yet to represent God's holiness, get this, in their personal life, but also corporate for the world. And hear me now, I, get this, I gotta drive this whole point home, this makes it clear. Jesus in the Old Testament and we see here in the New Testament, what God talks about is in, here in Jeremiah that he is speaking to the legal system and this legal structures here. Because they're governors, they're kings, they're in place. He's speaking to that. But he's also talking about the social, the everyday life, the social aspect of life here. And let's make something clear. Our God makes it clear that caring for social issues, not just, not just stopping at the womb, not just stopping at abortion, but from the womb to the tomb, to care about social issues is to care about kingdom issues. So if we say we about God's work, we need to be caring about the everyday life of people here. We can't sit here and choose to be silent and cherry pick how we want to engage justice and limit it to the government. But God is pronouncing judgment to these leaders because they neglected to do the justice that they were commissioned to do. 
So let's not just limit it to the courtroom. My brothers and sisters, we say that's great. All right, this is Advent. Where's the hope at? Come on, give me the hope. Well, there is hope. In verse 2 through 8, we see that justice is assured by God. Justice is assured by God. Where do you see that at? Well, see, here the first thing that kicks off is that Jesus says, or excuse me, God says, in particularly verse 2, he says, hey, I will tend to you for your evil deeds because they choose to be influenced by the demonic spirit, by the satanic, the accuser that, that, that enforces the injustice. Because you want to do evil, I'm going to tend to you. I'm going to handle that. And get this, to do nothing is still to do evil because if you see the evil and yet as God's representative and God's ambassador here on earth and you choose not to do nothing, you're choosing to do evil so Satan can have his way. And God ain't liking that. He's saying, I'm attend to you. That's good news. And he's going to attend to him, not us. Right? That sounds familiar. Jesus says, vengeance is mine. It's not yours. And oftentimes when we long for injustice, justice, we're really wanting just to get even. And I'm glad that God is handling the business on our behalf because he can do it right and just and holy and blameless. If I'm honest, if I try to do it, I'm going to mess it up a little bit because I'm going to try to, I'm just human. I'm broken. But he says that he's going to tend to them. But we also see in the text where not only as we move in towards justice, get this, as God moves towards justice and he brings it about, he says that I will gather. Look what he says in verse 3. He says, I will gather the remnant of, the, uh, of my flock for, uh, out of all countries, not just America, all countries, where I have driven them. And then he says, I will bring them back to their fold and they shall be fruitful and multiply here. What do we see here is that God will and does come after his people. He says, I will gather them from all countries, from all the ends of the earth. He's coming and he will gather us. He will not just leave us in despair to just experience injustice. He's coming for them just like he's coming to get them and he promises that he will come get them out of exile. When they get out of Babylon, he's the guy, it's the same King Jesus that will come and, re, and get us out of our wilderness and our exile here on earth. He's coming. But not only is he just coming and he's going to gather you, but he's going to bring about restoration. Because the text tells us that he says that they will be fruitful and they will multiply. They will flourish because there is a king that is coming that is more righteous than the ones they have experienced, than what we are experiencing here. And really what happens is God is saying that he is going to undo all the damages inflicted by the leaders. Ezekiel chapter 34 spells out, and particularly verse 11 and 16, it spells out what God will do because of the leaders neglected to do. But the beautiful thing about this is that as much, um, get this, as we long for the justice, as we long to experience it, get this, and he's going to come back, our King Jesus is coming back again. We don't just get to sit and wait, but God is commissioning us. He's allowing us to be able to participate in, in bringing justice until he comes. Well, you say, well, where do you say that at? Look at verse 4. The text tells us, he says, I will set shepherds over them 
I will set shepherds over them who will care for them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall be missing, declares the Lord. Understand this, Jesus' agenda as a, uh, with his disciples were to commission them and send, them and send uh, the disciples and us to be light in a dark world. Just as God is sending shepherds, which it probably is believed that's where you have Ezra and Nehemiah who were good rulers. So he's speaking in that time, like there's going to be shepherds that I'm going to help tend for you to help you here. And the same way is that until we come, he's setting and he will rise up kings and he will set them down. He will put leaders up and put them down. And God will commission and put people. We get to participate in helping bringing that about. Because as, the, as, as I said, as followers of Jesus, we're light in the midst of a dark world here. And we know that Jesus, whatever he starts, whatever God starts, he brings to completion. So he's not going to neglect us here. But understand here, why do you say that? Just as much as he says, I will set leaders and rulers um, to care for them. Listen, in John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus says that as the Father sent me, I will send you. He says, as I've been sent, I'm going to send you. Well, why did God send Jesus into the world anyway? He sent Jesus a light in the midst of a dark world, right? That in itself is to bring about justice that had the, to, so we can eradicate the injustice that took place in the garden. And so he's bringing, and he says that just as much as my father sent me, I'm going to send you. And so we are to be light in the midst of a dark world. That means we are to do justice until Jesus comes. As it is said by N.T. Wright, we are justice bringers. We bring the justice here. But notice that if you look at the, uh, as you keep going in John chapter 20, notice that God didn't just send them in the world by themselves. Or Jesus didn't send them in the world by himself. He breathed the Holy Spirit on them. So that lets us know that when we go and as we're commissioned, the Holy Spirit is with us to equip us to do justice so that we can be representatives here on earth properly because our God is just, and we are to represent that here. Understand Zechariah 7, 9, it says, Render justice, show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widows, the fatherless, or the sojourners, or the poor. Let none of you devise evil against your heart. What it's saying is that concern for the weaker members of society had, uh, was what the Lord had required of his people. He says, I did not come and get this into even, I got to drive this point home, people. It's not just about the courtroom. God calls us to do injustice, to engage it with life, with people that we encounter, with the pastors that he entrusted us with. Not pastors, but pastors, where his all, what he uh, governs here. Like the kings at that time and the leaders of that time, Jesus is opposite of that. Because they just came to be served, but Jesus says, I am a king, but I didn't come to be served, but to serve. What would it look like, Park, if we were people that were marked by serving the king rather than serving our own agenda? What would it look like to be a city set on a hill that cares to do justice the way that God has been, uh, uh, the way that we've experienced God to handle our injustice? By going to the cross. Let me say this here. Those who are in the kingdom of God, you profess that God is your savior. 
Jesus is your savior. Those in the kingdom of God, get this, you, uh, we are not to neglect to do justice because we are afraid. Because we're afraid of losing friends, because we're afraid of losing our job or status, or because we're afraid and we just don't want to be uncomfortable. No, true worshipers of God manifest justice and righteous instead of comfort of life. What would it look like if we wore that? If we look into the text, and I got to say this here, and I got to understand this here. To care about social issues, as I said before, is a kingdom issue. And let me tell you something. If a church is not about the social gospel, which isn't a bad thing, it is a good thing, because God's word is very clear, Old Testament and New Testament, that we ought to care not just in the legal systems, but in the everyday life of our brothers and sisters of image bearers. The issue people have is not with the church, but with God. And the problem that they have an issue with the church is because the church has been so silent so long. And it feels like we're running behind society. But the truth is, we have been just like these kings and neglected to do the justice that God has commissioned us to do. My brothers and sisters, let's not be so foolish to think that we're high and mighty because we have a God that stood and corrected our injustice. And yet we're going to act like we got all the answers. No, God has the answers. And how dare that we condemn people because we want to do what God calls us to do. My God. I got to keep going. I want to, let me keep going. But this is shouting music. The shouting part comes here in verse 4, I mean, excuse me, in verse 5 through 6. Five in, the, five in the rest of the chapter. It says here, what does it say at the end? What does it say in 5? It says, behold, the days are coming. Praise God, the days are coming. The days are coming that it says that he will raise up a branch. Uh, uh, he will raise up David, a righteous branch. And he shall reign as king, and he'll deal wisely, execute justice and righteousness in the land. And it says, Judah will be saved. Israel will dwell secure. And his name uh, by which he shall be called is uh, the Lord is our righteousness here. A righteous branch, not just any branch, but a righteous one that God, that, that God is going to raise up, the Messiah, the king here. Understand, they're, about, they're, they're going into exile. And that God is giving, and God is speaking through the prophet Jeremiah to give them hope of what is to come. And see, we have the benefit of having God's word. We know what happens. There is a Messiah that has come, and we're waiting for him to come again. So we can shout because we know that he came once and he's coming again. So understand, the day is coming, my brothers and sisters. Our king will come again and he will do it righteously. He will do it wisely. He will execute justice here because the Bible tells us that he loves justice in Isaiah 61. And then in Psalms 89, it says that righteousness and justice are the foundations of his throne. Whatever way you want to slice it or cut it, as believers of God, we are obligated to do justice here on earth until Jesus comes. But understand here, here's the thing, I understand, I, I get what you're saying, I, I, here's the reality. Look, have you ever been on a bridge, and you've been on a bridge, and you sit there, and all of a sudden you feel the bridge moving, but then you look around, and you're like, I don't see the bridge moving. I see cars moving, but you feel the vibration of the bridge moving. And, and, and what happens, and you look again, I've, I did this, this happened other, uh, a couple of weeks ago. I was like, am I moving? 
I feel the car shaking, but I look out and it doesn't look like anything is moving at all. But it's moving though. The bridge is moving because there's activity that is taking place on the bridge that I am unaware of. And the same thing is true when it comes to our God. When it feels hopeless, when it feels dark, when it feels gloom, when it feels like there is no hope coming. Understand our God is moving people. He's moving. He's active. We may not feel it sometimes. We may miss it, but he is moving here. And I love it. And we know that he's moving because the text even says that not only is he a righteous Brent, but it says his name will be called Lord is our righteousness here. Understand Jeremiah is doing a play on word here. See, one of the kings that were evil is King Zedekiah. And King Zedekiah's name is, or it is righteous is our Lord. But see, Jeremiah is pointing out and God want to make it clear that this Messiah that is coming is opposite of that. See, his name is, he, he is more than just righteous here. See, it, 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 it's not just, oh, he's only righteous, but actually what that's saying is that he is providing us. He provided the people then, and he's providing us now with righteousness. See, he is bringing us to righteousness. He is our guide into righteousness, and he's producing it in us. But understand here, we are not righteous and adequate on our own. We are only righteous in Jehovah and Yahweh because of what Jesus has done. Because Jesus sat here and came as a baby, but he didn't stay there in the manger. But yet he got up, lived a perfect life, and he healed people. He helped the weak. He touched the marginalized. Kind of sounds familiar here. He wasn't just dealing with the courtroom, but he was on the ground with everyday people. And not only that, he endured the ridicule and the injustice and was accused unjustly on your half and my behalf. So we spit on him, mock on him, make fun of him, get upset because he doesn't move like we want to do. And yet when he sat there and sit on that cross with nails in his hands and his feet, oh, he could have got down and showed him who was boss. But yet he endured the just wrath of God for you and me and he defeated death and sin. So my question to you, brothers and sisters, family of God, why will we not want to accept uh, exhibit and show justice to people when we have experienced the ultimate uh, injustice on the benefit of God's behalf. Why will we not? He did that for us, but yet we don't want to go and show people how, hey, let me tell you about a man that did something for me that I really don't deserve, but yet I want you to experience what I experience. Come on, people of God, let's not be like that. We are commissioned by God to go do his work. Man, what would it look like if we were people that were marked by doing justice, not just holding and waiting for people to do something, but we were the hands and feet. We are God's representative. We get to, people get to experience his kingdom here on earth by how we live in the midst of this dark world. But understand, I'm so glad because it don't end just there. Yes, he's the righteous brand. Yes, he is the, uh, the righteous king, and we're going to experience that. Amen. But then the text tells us in verse 7 and 8, it says it again, Behold, the days are coming, my God. The days are coming where basically what God is going to do for the people, well, for the people of Israel, he's going to lead them, what, he, what he's going to lead them out of is actually going to overshadow the Exodus experience. Is what this passage is saying. Because if you look in the text and he says, as the Lord lives who brought up the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. But 
as the Lord lives who brought up and led the offspring of the house of Israel out of the north country and out of all countries uh, where he had driven them. Man, he's so in control. And they shall dwell there in their land. They're going to the land that God has promised them. And my brothers and sisters, that we have a God and we have a king that is going to lead us to a better land one day. It's going to be a, a new heaven and a new earth where we don't have to sit and have tears and have cries and be hurt and experience pain and wound. But yet he is going to come and say, all things are new. My brothers and sisters, God is leading us now into a new heaven and new earth. We can have hope because we know his hope is sure. His hope is fact. His hope is Jesus. Hold on to him. I want to leave you with this. As God's redemptive people, his redemptive people here on earth, let us do what God requires us to do, which is to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly before our God as we long and wait the return of our King Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you that we have hope that we're not left alone to know that you call us to engage in justice until Jesus comes back. So help us to endure the ridicule, the shame, being mocked, but yet I would rather for us to be people that are mocked and made fun of because we're giving our life to the kingdom work you called us to do. So God, help us to be people that are marked by serving your kingdom so that we can make your name great for your glory. In your son Jesus' name we pray, amen.